What's the haps, kids? This is WJ from Ring General Radio, and you are listening to the 4D Podcast Network. home alone i am your host michael malone and today i'm sharing a conversation i had with his divine grace sankarshan dash he is a spiritual leader with tens of thousands of students and disciples all over the world he spent the last half of the century doing global outreach through his lecture tours live one-on-one teachings and, and free online training programs and i was so lucky to have some time with him to talk about his journey about obtaining spiritual enlightenment, reincarnation, the idea of God and gods, yes, plural, and other religious belief systems that are out there. Uh, When I first started researching the Krishna consciousness, I found it to be very similar to the idea of being Brahma. I even brought it up to Sankrashan and just this idea of achieving this oneness and this peace with everything in the world, you know, from like ants to humans to trees. I mean, the idea of being Brahma is just the idea of being one with everything. And and it, there's a, a great Alan Watts uh, story that I heard him him share on a lecture. I'm not sure if it was actually he made it up or he just shared it on one of his lectures, but I, I, I love it. Um, it's about the idea of being Brahma, right? And there's a guy who studies for years and years and years. And, you know, he's he's studying Tibet, he's studying all these monks, he, he finally, quote unquote, graduates to this idea of being Brahma, right? And he takes this trip to celebrate and he's in Africa and, and a man is taking this herd of elephants down this old dirt road and the man's walking on this road and there's a, a guy who runs up a little ahead of the elephant pack and he says, sir, sir, I, I have a, I have a bad elephant with me. He, he's gone rogue. Please stay off the road. And the man says, don't worry, I'm Brahma. I am one with that elephant. I am one with the grass. I am one with the sky. I am Brahma. (laughs) The guy tells him again, okay, you don't get it, man. This elephant is crazy. Okay. He's going to throw you off the road. You're going to end up in the ditch. (laughs) I'm warning you now. There's a rogue elephant coming down here. Please stay off the path. The guy laughs. Uh, don't worry, I'm Brahma. <laughs> right? So he doesn't get off the path. He continues down, thinking that he is one with everything in the world. He has achieved Brahmanness. He is Brahma. So sure enough, the elephants come down, and this rogue elephant almost kills him, throws him into the ditch. They go by, and the man's in the ditch, and he's wondering, what, where did my teachings fail me? How did I not see this coming? Why did this elephant treat me? This way? I, I, I'm Brahma. So he goes back to the monks who had taught him and we trained with and he had learned from for so long, and he, said, and he tells them what happened. And they, they very calmly said, that man that warned you on the path, he was Brahma. You were warned. You just didn't listen. And I love that story. I, I talk about it. I retell it all the time. Of course, I'm not doing it justice, and that's a shorthand version of it. But it's just this idea of you can 
think whatever you want, right? Like you can have this idea of oneness and, and be, you know, conscious of everything and have, you know, do all the work. But if you're not listening, if you're not active, if you're not using it correctly, it's worthless. And look, personally, I'm not a religious person. I even used to do a joke about it on stage about, about being atheist, you know, and telling my aunt that I was atheist and her not believing me. And, you know, she I would say my aunt refuses to believe that I'm atheist. And so I told her to have faith. <laughs> so as I'm 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 telling so as I'm I'm talking with his divine grace, you know, I'm telling him that I'm not a religious person. And he responded with something that I had never heard before. He said, you probably don't even know what religion really is. That phrase hit me like a Mack truck. And, and he's absolutely right. I, I haven't spent too much time exploring it and, and, the th- and doing the things I need to do to, and asking the questions I need to ask. And. All of the things I know about religion have been fed to me by other religious folks who are trying to recruit me or the things I see on TV or hear about it. And and as I, as I look back on that response, the more sense it makes coming from him. Krishna consciousness is a journey into knowing and finding yourself just as much as it is about knowing and finding God. And I can admit, I don't know myself all that well. So what do I know about God? Even less, right? I am so excited to share this conversation with you today, and I hope you learned something from it because I know I sure did. I learned so much, and I am so grateful and so thankful for this time that I had with him, and, uh, and I, I just know you're going to love it. So without further ado, my conversation with his divine grace, Sankarshan Dash. Unfortunately, when they when we talk about religious freedoms here in America, we're only really talking about Christian religious freedoms, right? Like, can't imagine that you that this was an easy religion to stumble upon. Did you go seeking for this, or how did you get outside of that traditional idea of what faith is? One evening, I went over to one of my my friends to uh, see one of my friends there in Denver, and uh, he uh, he said, "Oh, you went over to Joe's place." Somewhere to the Joes, and they'd all taken LSD, and they invited me to join them on the LSD trip. Now I had so many bad experiences. I said, "Forget it. <laughs> go home and go to bed. Forget it." So then, but when, uh, when, but when, uh, when everybody started to get high on acid, Joe flipped out. He took his clothes off. He took all his record albums. He was smashing them against the wall. He ran out on the street naked. He was smashing his fist in the car windshields. He was going door to door, knocking on the door, saying, there's LSD in the water. Can I have a drink of water? <laughs> so it was a horrible thing. And all the other LSD trippers, they came running to my apartment to hide out because they knew the police were going to come and they didn't want to get caught with Joe. So they all came to my apartment and they said, don't turn on the light. Don't turn on the light. And then, then my friend Patrick, he started chanting. He, went, he started going, he said, he said, he said, this will protect them. Everybody chanting. He, he started going, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. 
Hari Rama, Hari Rama, 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 Hari Hari. And then uh, I said, what is this mantra? So I, you know, I literally looked up to Patrick. I thought he was a very you know, advanced person. I went the next day to his apartment to check it out. He showed me an article from the Saturday Evening Post about the Summer of Love in Haight-Ashbury. It mentioned how the Swami, Swami Bhaktivedanta was recommending this mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. So I copied the mantra down from the Saturday Evening Post and I started chanting it. And uh, I, got, I, made a little, I made a little altar. I put Krishna on the altar. Actually, here's the original picture I had, another copy of it. I made this, put this, put this picture of Krishna on my altar and I was offering my food because Krishna says in the Gita, if you offer me with love and devotion, a leaf, flower, food, or water, I'll accept it. So I was chanting Hare Krishna. I was offering my food to Krishna. And then I thought, well, what's my career path going to be now? Because I was going to college at the time. And that, Who are you going to college for? Do you mind me asking? Just, to, just so my parents would support me. <laughs> right, yeah. and, Parental uh, guilt. Okay, good. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they get some support from my parents taking you classes. But I said, no, I can't handle this. I said, I'm just, I'm just going to India and be a holy beggar. That's my career path. I'm going to renounce the world, go to India, be a holy beggar for the rest of my life. So I went home uh, for my last visit to my family. I didn't tell my plan, of course. And um, so I had this whole plan. I'm just going to go to India. Be, uh, but then, because I, I just wanted to deny everything, you know, deny, 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 deny. This material world is false. Deny everything. Deny, deny, deny. That's a path called Nati Nati, deny everything. It's a path in India, philosophical path. But one night I had a very profound realization. If I deny everything, then denial is also something. I had, then I had to deny denial also and accept something transcendental with this material world, spiritual revolution. So instead of heading to India, I, stuck, I took my guitar and, my, and stuck out my thumb and hitchhiked to hit Ashbury for making a spiritual, being part of a spiritual revolution on this planet. And I first people I met with the Hare Krishnas actually. They had a little center in Haight-Ashbury. But I didn't really, I wasn't ready to join them, but I respected them. So, uh, you know, I had this respect for Hare Krishna, but I was trying to do my own, doing my own thing with the music. But then uh, it got to a point where I was really trying to become self-realized. And I said, after a couple of years, I was back in Austin. I was a famous, became a little popular singer in the Austin campus, University of Texas. And I was really looking, how can I become self-realized? And I, 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 realized, I know Jesus Christ is a self-realized soul. What was his secret? What made him spiritually perfect? And I was trying to figure it out. But one day I found it. In the Bible, he says, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. That's it. I just got to do what God wants me to do, not what I want. And that's spiritual perfection. But I had one problem. I didn't know what God wanted me to do. But then it became revealed to me, well, just ask him. <laughs> right. saying, Dear God, please guide me how I can become your perfect servant. And then a Hare Krishna Swami shows up in town, Vishnu Jana Swami. And uh, he was giving some classes and holding some chanting sessions, giving out some spiritual food. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is actually how I can become perfect and total surrender to the will of God. The Hare Krishnas are teaching me how to do that. And I'm ready. So I did it. I became an initiated disciple of Bhaktivedanta Swami in uh, August of 71. 
So for 50 years now, I've been teaching Krishna consciousness all over the world. And I got followers all over the world. Krishna consciousness, an extension of, of Hinduism, right? Is, is that correct? Uh, no, Hinduism is actually a, um, a misconception of, uh, based on the, the bodily. Krishna consciousness is the original natural energy of the living entity. Uh, the word Hindu is a, 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 a term coined um, for those living on the other side of the Indus River. It's a geographic term, actually. It doesn't apply to any particular philosophy, ultimately. There's many different philosophies and ideologies within what they call Hindustan or India nowadays. So is it more connected to the idea of being Brahma or Brahmanism? or Because or, or, that's more about self-empowerment and, and, the, uh, and self-righteousness. The, uh, the, uh, the, the teachings of Krishna consciousness were taught 5,000 years ago by Lord Krishna when he appeared on this planet. At that time, the whole planet was actually one, one country, one nation. The whole world was under one rule at that time. The whole planet was under one rule. It was a, a one global culture throughout the whole world centered in India 5,000 years ago. Oh, wow. In terms of Brahmin and the, and the Vedic culture, you have four different socials. There's the Brahmins or the priestly class. You have the administrator warrior class. You have the mercantile class and the worker class. Now those, those different social orders are there uh, traditionally in the Vedic culture going back thousands of years. So would you, I mean, so how do you describe it? Is it, is it a religion? Is it a society? Is it... Um... Consciousness is the original natural energy of the living entity. We're actually all, we didn't come out of nothing like Stephen Hawking tells us. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> We didn't pop out of nothing. Actually, we're, there's a supreme person who's the source of all existence. Some call him Jehovah, some call him Allah, some call him Krishna. He has unlimited names, but there's a supreme person who's the source of all existence. And he's emanating from himself an infinite number of living entities to enjoy loving relationships with him. And that's how we actually exist as spiritual beings. Um, yeah. So in, his, uh, those, in the spiritual world, um, those who, it's populated with, those living entities who, who are, were loving him and serving him in their original pure consciousness. But there's always a free choice. Love is, is uh, free will. I, I, don't, I can't put a gun in your head and say, love me or I'm blowing your brains out, you see. Love <laughs> is free will. So, so one has a choice of even loving that supreme person or not. So if you don't choose not to love him, there's a world here, or a world for those who choose not to love him. That's called a material world. So when you make the choice, I don't want to be in a loving relationship with that supreme person, or rather try something else, then you get to take birth here in the material world and try enjoying here, denying God or using God just as your puppet or whatever, instead of being a servant of God. So what you're talking about is more so the idea of a choice before you were born into this world. About That's right. We were born here because we... We've existed, we've actually gone through many, million, millions of births, many millions of births. But we, we've taken, we chose to try to enjoy separately from that Supreme Person. So he gave us a world where we could try to do that. At the same time, he's come here to explain, well, you don't really like it here. Here's, here's the way you can come back to my, my eternal above. So that, that's the true meaning of religion. Every bona fide religion teaches the followers how to go back to their original home in the spiritual world or there's Christianity, Judaism, Islam, the basic principle is the same of all religious systems. 
the religion comes from the Latin word religio, which means to relink. So the true meaning of religion is not some faith, but it's the science of relinking, relinking with that original supreme person. Whether you call him Allah, Jehovah, or Krishna is just a detail. Yeah, how how do we how do we get into this material world where there are so many different gods to worship? Well, here we you know we have Mick Jagger, we have so many gods, right? <laughs> uh, um, uh, because we uh, we have a free will of either serving God or trying and not serving Him. So we those of us who choose not who chose not to serve Him, we were allowed to come here in a world where we didn't have to serve God. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, so you're not really arguing the fact that, uh, you know, the Christian God is not God or that the Hindu God is not God or this or that. It's the same. God has unlimited names, you see. Just like my father, he he was known by, we called him dad. My my mother called him honey. His college buddies called him something else. Even my father had five or six different names. So God is only one name. God has unlimited names. Supreme person is all he has his abode in the spiritual world. He's also sitting there in your heart. He's within Ariadne's between them. God is all pervading. He's existing everywhere. Just like in the Gita, he says, I'm the light of the sun and moon. He says, I'm the taste of the water. So t- I just saw you drink something, right? Yes. So that taste, that is Krishna. That taste of that taste of liquid things, that's Krishna. So God is everywhere. Even when you drink some liquid thing, you're experiencing God. I love that. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a religious person. I'm going to, I'm going to come out and just, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a religious person. I, 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 I don't take religion from anybody. You know what I mean? If that is something that is powerful in your life and that is something that, that, that helps you in all. You, and, even you, know, know religion, you may not even know what religion actually means. It's a science, the science of actually being who you are is what it actually means. Wow. Okay. So I, I'm under the belief of, uh, of the, of putting power within yourself. So do you, do you still, does, does your religion still put power upon somebody else? We subscribe to how to connect with the source of unlimited power. How, how do you, but you connect with that through. yourself in a state of perfect harmony with that supreme person of unlimited power. Is that through guided meditation or? That's through, it's, it's through the, uh, the, the art of devotion, uh, which is uh, meditation is one of the techniques of, of, of reviving that devotion, those feelings of devotion. Yeah. And how does that differ from other religions then? Because it, it feels very similar to the idea of, um, of, of the songs of praise and stuff like that. They would go on in a Baptist church. and But they... Nowadays, they don't even understand what religion is. They just, what they have, they take God as the order supplier. God, give me this. God, give me that. And give me a new car. Give me this. Give me a guitar. That, they don't understand what is the actual science of God. But the, all the great teachers taught that original science. Christ, Buddha, Muhammad, all of them taught the, the science. But that science has been lost in the modern day world. That's why we're trying to revive it now, the Krishna Godness movement. The science of God has been lost. What they call religion is not actually religion, not real meaning of religion. So, what do you? So, how do you, would you describe religion in your terms? Religion is the science of how to revive your lost loving relationship with that supreme person as the source of all existence. Wow. So, how do you begin on that journey? 
Well, it's a very simple thing. Um, uh, this, uh, the, this art of transcendental meditation is very powerful. The, uh, this, the mantra that we chant is very powerful. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Just like George Harrison put it on My Sweet Lord, you know. It's a very powerful mantra that will actually reconnect you with your, your actual spiritual identity and that in, in relationship with that Supreme Person is the source of all existence. When you're talking about supreme identity and or this spiritual identity and stuff like that, are you referring to this uh, this idea of uh, of past lives as well, or do you guys do you believe in reincarnation? Here's the point: you are not that material body. You see. That material body you're sitting in right now is in a state of constant flux. It's, it's not the same bunch of chemicals you had even a year ago. The chemicals are constantly changing. They fl- you, you drink, you take in food and water, you pass out stool and urine. There's a constant, the chemicals are constantly flowing through that area. There's a constant factor within that body, and that's the self. It's called Atma in Sanskrit. You're actually the, you're actually the Atma, the spirit soul, sitting inside that body, sitting within the heart of that body. It's not you. That body is just a vehicle. Just like you drive a car, that body is a vehicle that you're driving right now. It's not you. You are not your body. That's, where, that's the first step self-realization. I am not this body. You have to realize I'm not this body. I'm an eternal spiritual being. That's where it all starts. That realization, that conviction. Yeah, I've you know I've heard that theory so many times, especially in the self-care world, about this idea of of you are not your body, you are not yourself, you are not this voice in your head. This this idea of disconnecting from that idea of what it means to be right, and and more so in this uh, in, in empowering those it in order to have growth and all of this stuff, you have to detach yourself from this idea of of being unable to change. Because thinking that you are your body or that you are this thing uh, anchors you to your old habits and stuff like that. And you have to let go of those principles and that belief in order to move forward, in order to grow, in order to, to do all these things. So with that being said, this idea of consciousness, what happens? What is there life after death or is it reincarnation Absolutely. or what happens to this? You the, you, the spiritual being, when you leave it, according to your mentality, when you leave this particular body of death, you enter another body, you see. According to your, your consciousness, you see. What you, you're thinking about it. What is your mood at the time of death? What kind of consciousness do you have, you see? That, that takes you to your next body. So are you able, through chants and meditating and, and practice, are you able to tap into other consciousness or are you are you stuck you know, in actually, in the current by this by this chanting of Hare Krishna we awaken our original enlightened state of consciousness before we even got this material body to begin with because actually we, we originally existed as spiritual beings in the spiritual world and you can actually by chanting Hare Krishna you can actually revive your original identity even before you took any material body so I, I guess is I guess we always, as human nature does, we always link the idea of uh, uh, of existence to purpose. Is that also something that that you believe in? Is linking this idea of I'm here for a reason. I'm I'm searching for what I, my quote unquote job on this earth. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm here for a reason. 
Well, actually, people generally are just looking for sense gratification. How can I eat, sleep, mate, and defend? That the human beings nowadays are living practically like animals. And they've been in a place to a nice place to live, food to eat, some sex life, some intoxication. And they just want to make nice arrangements for the temporary pleasures. But they're missing the real point of human existence, which is self-realization, not gratifying the material senses. How do you even come around to the idea of self-realization? Mm. Well, by hearing, by hearing from a bona fide spiritual master, that's how one reason, if you hear about you hear from a bona I know I was a, I first heard about it in 1968 when I was a, a university student at the University of Texas. I was really uh, a very depressed youth. I didn't know the meaning of life. And none of the courses told me, none of the books I read told me. Um, I even saw one book title in the bookstore. It was Fear and Trembling, the Sickness unto Death. And I went, wow, that's a pretty bleak existence. So an existence <laughs> fear and trembling. The sickness unto death. So, but then I heard about, I heard from one of my, in the break room, I heard from one of my fellow students about something called self-realization, how you can, uh, you know, you can wake up in an enlightened state of consciousness within it. But yeah, I heard about it from, from my friends in the drama department in the break room, the University of Texas. That's how I heard about it. So I began a pursuit of how I can become self-realized. And that took me all the way from 68 all the way to 71 before I finally got it. it. Took me like three years before I finally got it. So, what is the difference between achieving this self realization and the idea of becoming Brahma? Because they uh, sound so similar. Um, uh, you, actually, there's, there's different levels of self-realization. Brahman realization is a lower level of self-realization. Brahman, there's Brahman realization, Paramana realization, and Bhagavan realization. There's different levels of self-realization. Brahman realization is not very valuable. It's only a temporary state that one falls down from eventually. But the perfection of self-realization is called Bhagavan realization. There's no more falling down from that position. So there's different levels or tiers to it. There's different you, levels of self-realization and the, the, uh, the fraction of self-realization is Bhagavan realization. There's no, no one ever falls down from that position. Brahman realization you can fall down from. Okay, so once you achieve a certain level, there is no coming back down from That's that. That's right, there's coming back down. And now is that... Uh, <sighs> I have so many questions about how it affects your day to day, right? Because this seems like a level of commitment that is almost a 100%. I mean, people in other religions, you think of, you know, Christian or Baptist or this or that or Catholic, even uh, this idea of commitment once, level. Once a week, Sunday morning. Yeah, exactly. This feels like an everyday, all the time. It doesn't cut it. Doesn't Self-realization is 24-7. If you want to become self-realized, you got to put their whole... Everything has to be put into. You know what else I picked up on when you were talking is this I, idea of of letting go, right? And kick out bodily consciousness. Get get rid of your bodily consciousness. That's what you have to let go of. Get rid of bodily consciousness. Kick it out. You're not that body. You're a spiritual being, qualitatively one with the supreme person, the source of all existence. Chant his holy names and dance in ecstasy, and you realize your spiritual identity, which is eternal, full of bliss and knowledge. 
So let's talk about bliss in a way. What are the what are the rules and regulations when it comes to sex? We is really it's only for procreation, but it's meant for because actually the 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 semina in a man uh, gives if he heals it in his body, it, it it gives him strength against resistance against disease. It gives him stronger. Um, it rises to the brain and nourishes the brain for understanding. It gives him long longevity. The more you pass semen, you're actually weakening your body, you're shortening your lifespan and depleting your intelligence. So in Krishna kindness, we use sex only for procreation, not for recreation. Wow. So it's not in regard to even uh, a commitment of marriage or this or that. It's a commitment to yourself. Uh, once you only, uh, sex is only used within marriage. And then a, Krishna, a truly Krishna conscious person uses sex only for procreation. Other than that, he doesn't have sex. He's not in his... I, I've never had sex with my wife. Never. Really? Yeah. We're not interested in sex. How do you fight those that human nature urge of uh, the sexual desires? You have to, you have to go, um, if you chant Hare Krishna, you find ex, you experience a pleasure greater than sex. So who needs the damn thing? Wow. That's, that's great. Who wants to come down to the platform of some lower platform where you can enjoy on a higher level? This is... Is a thousand times better than sex. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. You have to actually chant it with faith and devotion. You'll experience an ecstasy, which is better than having a million orgasms. So when you're on this in this meditation state and you are chanting and you uh, explain what that feeling is, that higher plane of consciousness. You have to is taste it, it yourself. I'll <laughs> say it's better than any material pleasure you can ever have in your whole life. All I can say that, but you have, if you want to really know, you got to taste it yourself. Try chanting Hare Krishna yourself. Spend some time chanting Hare Krishna and see what it does for your consciousness. So we've talked a lot about living in the present and living in the now and, and the practices that go along with that. Well, let's talk about life after death. What is the belief system there? I know we talked a little bit about reincarnation. You leave your body, the soul is eternal. So the soul, according to your consciousness, you take another body, the time of death. If you're simply, if you're interested in, uh, you know, you're simply eating and interested in eat, 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 you can become a, a pig or something like that. Um, if you're interested in, in self-realization, uh, you, you know, if you're interested, in the, if you want to have revive your original loving relationship with Krishna or God, you go back to the spiritual world and get an eternal body. According to your consciousness, you get either another material body or get you regain your original spiritual body. According to your consciousness at the time of death. So it works almost like uh, karma. That's or right. A more focused That's version of karma, karma, I would say. Karma means uh, you get another body according to your actions in this lifetime. Now, there's what's called a karma also, which in Sanskrit means no karma. When you engage in devotional service to the Lord, that's, they don't create any karma. When you engage in devotional service to the Krishna or God, that relieves you from all your karmic reactions. Otherwise, you're going to get another body according to your karma. That's right. Interesting. And I, I love learning about this stuff. I, I'm a big subscriber to Alan Watts, uh, his philosophy and his teachings and stuff like that. Were, well, not his teachings, but his his shared experience of uh, of teachings around the world and stuff. Alan is one of my favorites to listen to because it seems uh, he seems so involved yet unattached. Does that make sense? 
he seems to know about a lot of different uh, religions and practices and ideas and thoughts and, and all these things, but not really a- attached to any of them. It's, um, it's very interesting to hear him speak. Have you ever heard uh, of any of Alan Watts' stuff, a uh, philosopher from the 80s? I used to read Alan Watts when I was a college student. Yeah. How do you feel about what what he was saying about? Um, I don't remember his teachings in a long time. <laughs> yeah, it ha- you know it, it is. Uh, he talks a lot about time and wh- and how we experience it. Um, and I, I wonder a, a, about that with with you about this idea of the Actually, concept of time. We, we learn how to transcend time completely. We go. There's a we go into we go into timelessness. We, Krishna consciousness, Hare Krishna mantra takes you into timelessness, beyond time. Explain that. Beyond past, present, and future. The eternal, see there's a, um, this material world is going on, um, the spiritual world is a timeless realm. There's no, in other words, time means things wear down in time, right? You're born, you, you grow up, you get old, Things wear down. Time wears down everything. But in the spiritual world, time is conspicuous by its absence because everyone's an eternal youth here. Nobody ever gets old. Nothing, nothing ever wears out or gets broken down. Everything is eternally existing in a pristine condition, eternally youthful. That's timelessness. Now, I guess that goes into the idea of detaching yourself from your body, right? If you are just a consciousness and all in that, then time world, doesn't... In the spiritual world, you get a spiritual body which is eternal full of bliss and knowledge. It never gets sick. It never gets old. and never dies. Do you, get to, do you get to pick it out like an avatar? Like when you play video games, you get to build your spiritual? <laughs> or is it just a, a light? You already have a spiritual form in the spiritual world. You've just forgotten it. You already have a spiritual identity. It's buried deep within you right now. You already have that identity. It's already existing. It's just in a dormant condition right now. The chanting way awakens it. Is it is it human form? Because I've seen I when I hear the idea of of spiritual forms and stuff, it's oftentimes linked to, yeah, to animals. Are, actually, the every every living being in the spiritual world has human consciousness. Although some of them take animal forms because they prefer to be in that form, but they have human consciousness. Your pious and impious activities committed in this lifetime, you get in your next body. That's right. But generally, people now are going down the animal kingdom because they're living in very animalistic ways. Uh, so most of the, especially those, uh, for example, those who eat who eat uh, cow, they become cows in the next birth, and they can go to the slaughterhouse. Those who eat, those who go to McDonald's, they become cows in their next life, be slaughtered. That's her karmic reaction for eating slaughtered cows. They'll be ten cows in the next birth and be slaughtered. Man, I think I'm going to be chicken nuggets for sure. <laughs> I'm doomed to be chicken nuggets. That's all. I, that's that's yeah, the thing I eat the chicken, most. If you eat chicken, you become a chicken in your next birth. Kentucky oh, no. Fried. But if you, but if you, if you chant Hare Krishna, you can be free from your karma and not take birth as a chicken or as a cow. But otherwise, if you've been eating chicken and cow, you become a chicken or a cow. That's your karmic reaction. This brings up a great uh, talking point of forgiveness because in other religions, I know that you can tap into this idea of getting 
forgiven for your sins and all of that. And are you able to do the same? Are you able to, when you Krishna let go? Said, Krishna says, in the Bhagavad Gita, he says, Sarvadharman paditya mame kangshadarambraja ahang samgrabha pape do Give up all, give surrender as unto me, and I will deliver you from all your sinful reactions. If you surrender to Krishna, you become free from all your sinful reactions. That's a fact. Wow, man, I, I you, you know what worries me the, the most about uh, uh, about about trying to become Christian consciousness and be a part of this is just the pronunciation of of the words. <laughs> I don't know how you've learned all of those. It sounds so complicated. <laughs> I just like I can pronounce Michael Maloney, right? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm listening to you pronounce these so fast and so Hare well. Krishna. And I'm like, ah. Hare Krishna is no more difficult than saying Michael Maloney. No more difficult. Hare Krishna. Michael Maloney. There's no difference. Just yes. Did it, be honest. Did it take time to learn the, the language? <laughs> Oh, I remember, yeah, memorizing a few verses. Yeah, it takes some time. <laughs> right. It's not a big deal. <laughs> right. Like, you know, people learn how to sing a Beatles song, too. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. We talked about um, you kind of being on this journey alone, right? And one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, how did your family react when you came back with this new purpose? Um, well, let's see. Here. See, I became, uh, when I headed out to, I detached, completely detached myself. I, they must have been horrified when I, I just took off one day, basically ran away from home and totally attached myself. I went to California. They had no idea where I was. So I basically cut off my relationship with them at that time. But then I sent them a letter. Told them I was okay, so they got some relief that I'm okay. So I actually, when I when I went to San, when I went to California, I gave up my relationship as a college student, depending on them. I was just on my own, but we had a good relationship. Actually, I uh, we had a very. My father used to come. Uh, we had a, I, at one point I I was a monk at our center there in Houston. My father used to come and hear the lectures there. He really enjoyed the lectures. One of our leaders used to come and give lectures there, and he would ride a bicycle. My dad would ride a bicycle all the way from into Central. He liked to do bike hikes, so he'd take a bicycle and come to our programs to hear the lectures. He really liked it. So my parents actually, of course, when my, I got married, they came and attended the, the wedding ceremony. And my father was had a very nice, uh, very nice attitude about uh, what we were doing. He introduced us to all of his friends and. Uh, he, was, he was proud of what I was doing, actually. My father's proud of it. So your family accepted it, and there was, you know. My mother uh, was like, my mother was like, if you would give me a Bible, you got to come, you know. My mother didn't, she thought I had rejected, because she didn't understand. My father was, my mother was a little harder accepting it. My dad was really cool with it. Yeah, and that's the thing that I'm I'm learning as we're talking is, your your religion is more about ex- acceptance right it's you you're not talking about it's not oh, sorry <laughs> this, this consciousness this, this society fact, it is this universal science of reconnecting the individual consciousness with the supreme consciousness krishna um can i ask why uh you don't want to attach the word religion to it it's not a religion 
it is religion with a capital R and its original pure form before it was divided into this religion and that religion. Oh, so you're saying the different. Okay, so it's not the actual. Okay, so I'm getting. I was confused. It's not a religion. It is. Is religion okay? Now I now I understand that more that we've talked about the difference because now that makes sense of why you would be accepting of so many different ideas of of God and the names and of of the names of God with Buddha and Jesus and all these things because the umbrella is it is it is religion. It's not a religion. That helps me. So yeah, it's much. not a religion. It's religion in its original pure form. It, we, we, Krishna Kanyas is the essence of every religious system on the planet. The pure original essence of Buddhism, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Sintuism, Sikhism, every ism. It's the original pure essence of every religious system on this planet. So it's like a buffet. You're just taking a little bit from, the, from everybody. No, <laughs> it's a little bit from that. They, they are part, they are all they're teaching uh, a certain portion of what the science of God is. It's a religion where they're, they're little, little portions of the full science of what we're teaching. We're teaching the full science and they're teaching little parts of it. Man, I could talk to you for hours. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's incredible what this journey that you've been on, this path that you've been on, and this idea of letting go of all these materialistic things. And it's such a you know, especially being brought up in America where we, it's all ego, it's all material, it's all, you know, what I have, what I want, and it's never what I need, right? It's always what I have, what I want here in this country. And we're, we're also selfish, you know, we make sure that we're taken care of first before our neighbors. And, and uh, we've seen that more and more so over the last four years. Um, it, this, it, can you give my listeners uh, any advice on uh, how coming to terms with letting go of some of that ego, letting go of some of those material things, letting go of that want and that have, how can they practice this idea of letting go? It's not so much letting go. It's a matter of grabbing on to that, which is going to liberate you from all anxieties. That's a real don't worry about letting go. That happens automatically when you grab onto that which believes you from all anxieties. You see, don't we, letting go is something that happens automatically when you achieve it. In other words, there's the lower taste and the higher taste. You don't have to worry about getting letting go of the lower taste. Just grab onto the higher taste, and the lower taste goes automatically goes away automatically. You can let go. It's not difficult to get rid let go of your material attachments when you become attached to Krishna or God. Because it's such a higher taste, is it? Right. Yeah, you're already you, that want and that have those desires go away because you feel like you're already taken care of, right? You know, if you have, if you're relishing the higher taste, the lower, you even forget about the lower taste. Who needs it? You know, no, no, no problem of letting go. You just achieve a higher platform. The lower platform goes away automatically. I love that. That's great. So we'll teach you how to get to the higher platform where you let go of all those things which are causing you disturbance and distress in your life. They'll go away automatically when you, when you come to Krishna consciousness.
thank you so much for listening. I want to thank my guest for making time to talk to me. And if you want to find out more about him or Krishna consciousness, you can visit worldleader.com. That's worldleader.com. He also has tons of lectures and prayer sessions available on YouTube as well. They're all free. Don't be afraid to reach out to him. There's lots of online courses you can take if you're interested. And if you want to reach out to me, you can follow along on Twitter or Instagram at Malone Comedy. That's at Malone Comedy. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share. not too sick of hearing my voice you can check out another podcast that i'm on called speakerphone i do it with my friend and singer songwriter ryan m brewer it's a good time uh you know pretty much the premise is him and i were having these great conversations over the years they were thought-provoking they were funny they were interesting and nobody got to hear them and so now (laughs) we started to record our phone conversations and share them with the world it's called speakerphone and you can listen to it on itunes spotify wherever you're listening to this podcast app. Don't forget to subscribe.